Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you all this morning. How are you? Good. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, say good morning. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to dive right into the scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 20 or turn your eyes to the screen. We're going to read out of verse 30 through 31. I'm going to read this short uh, passage and then we'll, we'll go straight into the next chapter of John chapter 21. So Jesus, here he is, he's just, uh, he's risen from the dead and now he's appeared to his disciples and he has walked through the walls, literally through the walls. And he's there and he, he shows his disciples who he is. He's here. He's showing them his scars. And now John, as he's writing about this account, he finishes in verse 30 and he says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God and that believing you may have life in his name. Now, as I was preparing this sermon this week, I kind of had this interesting moment where I was like, it feels like at the end of this chapter, John is wrapping up like the story of Jesus. But there's another chapter that follows after this. And he's saying, you know, Jesus has done amazing things, many things I can't tell, like we don't have time to talk about, um, yada, yada. And then, it seems like this would be a great time to end the story, but he doesn't. He goes on to another chapter. And so I was texting my dad about it. I called him Duncan and I was like, what do you think of this? He's like, oh yeah, you're right. And so I, I Googled it. I said, is, was John chapter 20 supposed to be the end? And as I was researching it, it showed that John chapter 21 is actually considered like an epilogue, like a part two PS. And as I was thinking about this, I sort of had this revelation, doesn't say this, but that we can apply for our lives that Jesus isn't finished yet. There's more to the story, right? So let's continue reading John chapter 21, verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning has now come, had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Some other translations say, have you caught anything? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. That's John. He's talking about himself, the one who Jesus loved. But I love it because as Duncan shared last week, when we have face-to-face encounters with God, we can walk in humility, right? And here he is, having humility, writing about himself, the one who Jesus loves, but it's coming from a place of that face-to-face encounter with his Lord. 
Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other's disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, or about 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 fish. That's a lot of fish. That weighs approximately 300 pounds of fish, okay? So he's dragging a net of 300 pounds of fish through the water and up the land. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, as I was thinking about this chapter, and I was preparing my message for this week, I, I was at team night on Monday night, and we had, you know, our, our uh, team leaders and volunteers, people that serve in this church and in this body. And I said to them all, raise your hand if you know anyone in this com- church community that is struggling or going through a difficult time. And almost every single hand in the church, in this room was raised. And that night we got some news about a friend who was in the hospital and I went and visited her the next day and go like a family that's going through immense hardship and we have people in our community that have been diagnosed with cancer people that have been sick in the hospital and their family members have died we have people that have lost their jobs and that are just going through it and as i was thinking about my message this week i just couldn't get away from the fact that i believe in the victorious works of jesus christ on the cross I 1,000% do, but I also know that there are moments in between those moments of victory where we are dealing with the disappointment. And so the title of my message this morning is Destiny After the Disappointment, that there is still room for destiny and life for us after the disappointment. And if we ended the book of John in, ver- in chapter 20, where it's talking about, you know, all the amazing things that Jesus has done, how amazing of what God has done, then we would miss the part in chapter one with all the questions that we have and the epilogue and the PS and the, well, what about this God? And the questions we face and the disappointments that we go through. See, for us, the cross represents victory, but for the disciples, they didn't see the end of the story yet. For them, the cross actually meant disappointment. Because you see, Jesus had, they had thought that Jesus was going to come and overthrow Rome and rebuild his temple and create, a, create and establish a kingdom here on this earth. And they were looking to him to do that. And instead, he only fulfilled his ministry for what they saw for three years. And they saw incredible things happening, incredible miracles, signs and wonders. And then he just dies. And he goes to the cross and he's, you know, we like to think about it as this amazing victory, but we forget that Jesus actually handed himself over in Jerusalem to be killed. 
And for us, the cross is comforting. It represents our sin being nailed to that cross. It represents our shame being canceled and our debt being canceled forever. It represents um, new life in him, the blood that was shed for the atonement of our sins. But for the disciples, what, what we... What represents for us something that is joyous and victorious for the disciples, it represents something that was an unmet expectation and disappointment in that moment. So we're going to read out of Luke 5. This is a story that, to me, brings everything full circle, all right? Luke 5, verse 1, it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, a.k.a. Jesus, to hear the word of God. They stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, or Peter, another word, uh, his name, Simon Peter, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse four, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. Doesn't this sound familiar? (laughs) Doesn't this sound like the passage we just read? Except now this time, rather than it being at the end, it's at the beginning. And I love, I love the poetry of the Bible, of the gospel, where God is in the beginning and he's in the end and he's in the middle and he's in everything in between. And this is the, this is the first participation moment for Peter in the story of Jesus, where this crazy guy comes over and says, Hey, can I use your boat? He's like, my boat. (laughs) This is like his livelihood, right? His career. He's a fisherman. And he gives Jesus his boat because a boat would provide natural amplification for his voice. Because he'd be able to preach across the water and be able to reach all those people without being like, you know, harassed and like pummeled and everything. He's like, he can see them all and he can preach to them. And he calls them and and it's again the same story, similar story where Jesus, they've, they've been fishing all night and caught nothing. And he says, let down your nets. Let down your nets. And they catch an abundance of fish. And so in these two stories, there's empty nets. There's a lot of fish. Sounds like Peter wasn't that great of a fisherman. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but it's this full circle moment. And, you know, I don't think Peter knew in that moment where Jesus says to him, let down your nets. I don't think he knew what was going to happen how the trajectory of his life would change in that moment. That one day he would then go on to see blind eyes open and he would see people raised from the dead, the widow's son raised from the dead, Lazarus raised from the dead, that he would see, you know, the hole, a hole cut out in the roof and someone lowered down by their friends just to get to the feet of Jesus to be healed. Peter doesn't know any of that in this moment. He just lets down his net. And (laughs) Jesus, he taught with such power and such authority and people were so drawn to him and they were drawn to the miracles that they would see in his presence. You know, if, if Jesus was in this room right now preaching, 
there would be a hole in the ceiling. Like people would be barging through to get in here. There wouldn't be any space. There'd be no overflow. Like this is the Jesus in this moment. And Peter is caught up in this. He's caught in, he's caught up in what I call the, the come up moment. And I want to ask us today, are we a come up Christian only? The moments where we're seeing the victories, the moments where we're seeing everything going right. You know, in the original Hebrew, come up, it's the part of the story where the success is accumulating and the benefits are accruing. And he's caught up in this come up moment, seeing all the the amazing things of Jesus until the cross. The cross interrupted his come up moment. You guys are quiet. Interrupted this come up moment. And they were all there with Jesus until they got to the part that they couldn't stomach. The part where he said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter says, no, no, not you, Lord. Because they didn't understand. They didn't understand. And to them, that meant immense disappointment. The ultimate letdown. The ultimate betrayal of what was happening. Like I said, we know that that's not the end of the story. But they didn't know that yet. They didn't understand it yet. And they're probably, for us, where the cross represents victory, for them, it represented a question mark of what have we done? Why did we give up our lives to follow this guy if he's just going to die? Why did we give up our careers to follow him? I knew my mom said I shouldn't follow the guy from Nazareth. Like, seriously, it's these questions, and they're questioning everything in this moment. And what we don't see, we see Jesus raised from the dead, and we want to celebrate that story. But the part that we don't want to talk about and the part that we overlook and just waltz right past is the part where before he was, before he was raised up, he was laid down, right? Before the resurrection, he was put to death. And there's a time and a moment of that disappointment. But this morning, God is saying there's hope and there's destiny after the disappointment. Come on. So, you know, do you guys ever look through your phone and you look at old photos from like memories? We love doing that with our kids. I love when the like for you part comes up on my phone and you look back through the years and it like puts this little song and little video together for you. And it's just so cute and so sweet. And for some of you, you look back at photos and memories and there's happy moments and there's smiles and there's laugh. And then for some of you, there might be Moments where you look back at photos and there's painful times in your life that you went through. You know, maybe it was a time where you went through a divorce and you can see something change in your eyes in those photos. Or maybe a loved one died. Or it it was just a really hard time. You were struggling with depression or whatever it was. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this, that there are times that we walk through that kind of shape shape our perspective and shape our life, our moments. The grief can change us. Literally can totally change our personalities. You know, I think about like my mom, Kate, who her her mom died when she was 33. And I'm coming up close to where the age my mom was when her mom died. And I think about that. And I think about how she had just moved continents and she was in a different country, continent, raising three young girls and her mom, her best friend dies. And that kind of stuff changes you, you know? And the ways that people let us down and the things they do to us, it it can change us. 
And we have a wish list that we give to God. And if we don't see everything come true on that wish list, you know, we harden our hearts oftentimes towards him and his goodness. But what does Peter do after his disappointment? After his biggest letdown where he's denied Jesus three times, he's watched his, his rabbi, his, his teacher, his leader go to this cross. What does he do after this? In chapter 21, we see he went back fishing. He goes back to what he's always known. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, like I can understand if he, he goes out fishing, you know, Jesus has died. I'm just going to go back to what I know. But he's seen the resurrection. He's literally seen the resurrected Lord. Like just a moment ago, in the previous chapter, Jesus appears to him. Wouldn't you think if you had a message of resurrection, that you'd be out there preaching the gospel and telling everyone that you knew about what you had just seen? Jesus literally just walked through my walls. Come on, I gotta go tell somebody. But what does he do? He goes back to fishing, to what he always knew. This is not the first time he's seen Jesus. It's not even the second. It's now the third time. And he's still back doing what he always knew. Because he's living in the letdown and the disappointment. Justin came up to me after the first service and he shared this. He said in Mark chapter 16, the angel appears to Mary in the garden and she tells Mary that Jesus is alive in, if you're taking notes, it's Mark 16, verse six, it says, don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter go and tell his disciples and who and Peter. Why didn't he just say disciples? And what Justin shared with me was this. He said, because he's been doing a Bible study with Ian and Jacob and a rabbi here in the, in Cary. And there's so much honor in the Jewish community, especially towards your rabbi, your teacher. There's so much honor that if you deny your rabbi, you are actually taken out of fellowship. And it's really hard to come back into that community and that place and that space together. And this just blew me away that even in that moment after resurrection, that there would be time taken to say, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Because that is a way for God to say that even in your place of disappointment, even when you feel like you've so far failed God that you feel like you're not even worthy to come back into his communion with him, he's still saying, come to me I am going to cook you breakfast. I am standing on your shore and I am waiting for you. Ah, that is the gospel. Like I just am brought to tears that that is the God and the Lord that we serve. So Jesus, he too, he could have been going out there preaching. Hey, look guys, I'm raised for the dead from the dead. Here I am. I'm back. Guess who's back back again. What does he do? He cooks breakfast for the people that forsook him, (laughs) for the people that denied him, for the people that disassociated from him. He chooses to spend his time, could use a time management class, just joking, spends his time cooking breakfast for these people. 
standing on the shore, waiting for them. They've been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. They're in a deep, dark place. Their expectation is at an all-time low. They don't even recognize who's on the shore. And he's there, and he's at the coals, and he's cooking them breakfast. And he says, come and eat with me. And the temptation for us is to give up. When people have let us down long enough, we don't want to let them back in. When we prayed long enough for our breakthrough to happen and we haven't seen it, we want to give up. We want to throw the towel in. We want to stay in our place of disappointment and wallowing and whatever it is that we do when we're in that place. But Jesus... He stands as our model and Peter stands as as this message that he is standing at the shore and calling to the same disciples who let him down. In his lowest moment, in Jesus' lowest moment, when he needed his people the most, he's standing there and he's calling to those same people. And if you think that he only resurrected for the moments when you had faith and not the low moments that you walk through, then you've missed it then we've missed it. Because before Jesus could go forward anymore, before he could ascend back to heaven, before he could do anything else, he needed to go and find Peter. And I believe he needed to do this because Peter, who had the most potential, is now sitting in the greatest pain. Because he's denied his Lord, and he's watched his Lord die And he's raised from the dead, but he still feels in a place of shame and disqualification for what he did and dishonor. And Jesus had to go find him to restore him to a place of honor and to restore him to a place of communion and friendship. What does Jesus do when he's on the shores? He says, friends, friends. I love that. I love that. And he, he comes back to him. And meets him where he is in this beautiful full circle moment of where he met him in the first place. And he says, friend, come. And later on, as if you continue to read in that chapter, Jesus says to Peter three different times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he's not giving him a Hebrew lesson about the different types of love, agape love, and, you know, the brotherly love. No, that's not what he's doing The important part here is the numbers. He's saying three times, three denials, three, do you love me? And he's showing him, Peter, I've washed that away. I've canceled all of that. And I'm here and I'm standing at the shore and I'm inviting you to come and eat with me. Peter had three denials, three different times. This is Jesus died for three days, and now this is the third time he's appearing. You know, I start to pay attention when I see things multiple times in the Bible. God is a God of numbers. He cares about the details. He cared enough about the details to reach Peter in this type of way and in this place. It's, we call it the, the, our kisses from our heavenly daddy, where he's in the moments, and we look back and we see that he's in every detail. And Peter, where he's, you know, he's gone back to what he's known, but he's not catching anything and he's discouraged. Jesus uses our lowest moments to show us his greatest love. And in my experience in the Christian walk, it doesn't mean that we avoid disappointment from happening. It doesn't mean that we avoid the letdowns. Things don't always go the way we thought they were going to go. 
And even the things we prayed for in the beginning that we really wanted and contended for, sometimes they come and we're like, we don't want them anymore. Can we send them back? Is there a return policy? I don't even want this anymore, God. But even in that, it's our faith doesn't make us avoid these disappointments, but our faith helps us transform them. And that's what Jesus is doing in the moment is he's transforming the heart of Peter to say, you are restored back to me. You have not let me down. And I think often that that is the greatest thing that we wrestle with. Not that Jesus let us down because newsflash, he doesn't. But the the thing that we struggle with the most is that we let him down. But the, the biggest disappointment has already happened. The capital D disappointment has already happened on the cross. It happened. They nailed him to a cross. It happened. They buried him. It's already happened. The worst is over. Everyone take a deep sigh. The worst is already behind us. And now there's victory ahead of us. Amen. There's victory in front of us. (laughs) For the disciples, the guy that they left everything for to follow, he died. They dealt with that biggest disappointment. But I'm not here to talk about Jesus disappointing them because I don't believe he did because he shows up to them in that previous chapter in John 20, walking through the wall saying, here I am. He didn't let them down because he rose from the dead. They didn't stay in that place of disappointment, but now they're dealing with the low moments that they're feeling and the reality that they denied Jesus and that they disassociated from Jesus. And now he's coming to meet them on the shore and say, come and eat with me. We often have to look back at the times where Jesus has carried us through to remember that he can do it again. Because I believe he does it again. He does it over and over again. And how many of you have been in the lowest, darkest moment, and then you look back at that and you think, wow, I see the hand of God all over that moment. And you know how I know it? Because you are here right now. That in itself is an absolute miracle. That some of you in this room maybe even tried to take your own life and you are still standing here because the grace of God and the hand of God has been upon your life, carrying you through every situation. Because he cares enough to come and meet us in our lowest, lowest moments. But we have to look back at those moments and remember what he's done. Because time and time again, we see through the Bible that Israelites forgot what God did for them. We cannot be a people that forget how God has carried us through the lowest of the lowest moments. And so Jesus has to appear to Peter one last time. Because if he didn't, I believe that Peter wouldn't have been there on Pentecost. Because oftentimes that if we choose to stay in that place of disappointment and we don't allow our faith to transform it into something else, then we are derailed from the destiny that God has for us. And that's why my message is destiny after disappointment, because the destiny of Peter was to become one of the greatest apostles of all time. The destiny of Peter was to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if he, Jesus didn't take the time to appear, I believe he would have stayed in that place of going back to what he always knew. And so Jesus had an assignment to come and restore Peter to his destiny. 
And Jesus does the same for us. He comes into our lowest moments and he restores us and he puts hope in us again to believe and dream that there is destiny, purpose, future, and life after this disappointment. Amen? Amen. (laughs) So, you know, how many of us, it's like we go through something and then we feel like, God, here I am again, going through the same thing. It's me. God, I've sinned again. I'm going through the same thought patterns. I'm dealing with the same sin or the same addiction or the same bad attitude or whatever it is. You can fill in the blank for your life. But how many times do we keep going back to the same thing? And we're like, God, I feel like I'm letting you down. And he says, really? I wasn't aware that you were holding me up. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient, which that means he has already, just like how in that beginning chapter in Luke 5, when I read to you where Jesus calls out to Peter, he knew what Peter was going to do before he even called his name to come and follow him. He already knew. He's all-knowing. And in the same way, he already knows the ways that you're going to let him down. And yet he still chooses you. He still chooses me. (laughs) And our purpose and our faith and our destiny demands, it commands that we get up. That we pick ourselves up after the disappointment and we plow on because there's a gospel that needs to be shared. There's purpose that God needs to fulfill through your life and you can't afford to stay in your disappointment. You have to get up. You have to press on. You have to fight the good faith, the fight of good faith. And I love at the end of this story where Jesus, he's, he's there and he says to the disciples, bring your fish. Like, come on, let's eat, bring your fish. But rather than taking their fish and cooking up their fish, if you've ever fished before, there's a process, right? You gotta gut the fit, well, you gotta kill the fish. That part's traumatic. Then I, then you gotta gut the fish. Maybe you skin it. You separate the bones. Then you prepare the fish. But Jesus already has a fire going. And there's already a fish there. He says, bring me your fish. But look, I've already got breakfast ready. And he says, the fish is, or, like, the fish is already clean. It's already here. It's already prepared. And I feel like there's a message in that too for us, that Jesus is like, I've already washed you clean. I've already done it. It's already here. It's already prepared. I've already prepared the table for you, right? The banqueting table in the presence of your enemies. I've already done it. Now just come and eat. And all, for all the ways that life has let you down, he's saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And for all the ways you feel like you've let me down, you haven't. I already knew. And he's tender. I love that Jesus is so tender, right? He's just tender to his disciples, to the ones he loves, his friends. And he's, this morning, he's calling us friends. And he's calling us to our purpose in him. And he's saying, don't stay in the disappointment. Don't let it derail you. 
but step out. Step out of the boat. I love that Peter jumps out of the boat, right? He jumps out of the boat. The other disciples, they're coming in the boat. They're coming up in the rear, but Peter couldn't contain it. He's like, I got to jump out of the boat with this 300 pounds of fish. (laughs) He jumps out and he drags it. Like, that's like, I got to get to my Lord. I got to bring him the fish he asked for. And Jesus is like, oh, you don't have to do that, bro. I already got the fish. Um, But (laughs) he's so tender with us, but we have to jump out in faith and meet him on the shore because he's waiting on the shore for us. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we believe in transparency being so important. (laughs) And even myself this week, as I was writing this message, there's Someone that I love and care about so much is even in the hospital right now in this moment. And I've had to walk this out myself. And I'm not always perfect at it. In fact, there was a time last week where it felt overwhelming. All of the things that I knew people I loved and cared about in this room are walking through. And I didn't even, I said to God, I was, I was working out and I was like, God, I don't even have the strength to say the words out loud. I know how I need to pray. I know how I need to contend. Does anyone ever feel that sometimes? It feels so overwhelming. You don't even know how to get the words out of your mouth. But I I thought to myself, and I reminded myself that he already knows. He's all-knowing, right? He knows the thoughts. He knows what we're going through. But we have to be strong in our faith and put our faith and our trust in him and his resurrection power in us to face our destiny to face the, the days ahead. So I want to invite you this morning. I feel like there's a couple different areas that maybe some of us are in. One, maybe you're stuck in a place of feeling that disappointment where you've been believing that maybe God has let you down or that life has let you down. And you're struggling with pain. You're struggling with financial difficulty, relationship difficulty, broken friendships and marriages, You're struggling with a physical ailment and you've been believing and contending. And I feel like Jesus is restoring hope to your heart this morning. And then there's some of you in this room where you feel like you just keep letting God down. You're like, I just keep falling short. And you need his grace this morning to remind you that his blood has covered you. And then there's some of us this morning where you, you just need an impartation of faith to walk out the destiny that he has for you. That you don't want to go back to what you've always known. No, you want to you wanna go into what God is calling you to. And Jesus, he's coming into every scenario and every heart this morning. If I could have every eye closed, I want you just to be... Take a moment to be real with yourself and real with your Lord and Savior because he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your your doubts. He's not afraid of anything. And the way we like to start it in our family is, Father, the truth is, I've been going through this. Whatever it is, just pour out your heart to him. Tell him what you've been facing. Just take a moment to take off the mask and to just be. 
would you fill us with faith this morning to transform our circumstances and our disappointments into purpose, into destiny. God, take us and use us. Use the lowest moments of our lives to display your greatest love for us. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite up our ministry team to come. If you need prayer for anything, if you need someone to walk you through prayers, if you've been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, these amazing people want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. They want to journey with you. If you need healing in your body, please come up and get prayer as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.